0: Hi, this is Carrie, and welcome to Tandem Talks, a podcast meant to empower you to live your life your way.
1: And I'm Craig. Join us as we go deeper with entrepreneurs and their journey creating success in business and life.
0: Welcome to another episode of Tandem Talks. We are super honored to have none other than Megan Hunter, all the way from Denver, Colorado, visiting us this morning. And I've had the pleasure of getting to know Megan Really right before the pandemic took off, I met you in person, live in The Real in Madison, Wisconsin, um, because Megan is actually the founder of a pretty special organization called The Dames, which helps six and seven figure owned businesses um, and leaders in C-suite positions. Really grow and thrive in leadership and in their roles and in their businesses through a virtual networking community. So I was able to meet her. I joined the dames and have had just an awesome experience getting to know her and what she's been able to construct in terms of building a community. They're just very high caliber women around the country and internationally, I believe. There's some people Correct. from out of, out of country that are now part of the organization. So we thank you for being on with us, Megan, and just excited to go deeper on your journey. Um, you also have 20 plus years of marketing and branding and strategy experience. So we'll talk all things entrepreneurship, marketing, branding, community related, but good morning and thank you for being with us. Good morning. Does everyone have about 3 hours and 45 minutes to
2: listen to this interview? <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> Craig's we like, can "Oh dear." Oh so no, can no, no. As long as we need to. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm just teasing. If we're going to cover all those topics, so we better be here for a while. Everybody pull up a chair, get build yourself a fire. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> Thank you guys for having me on. I'm really excited.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and I'd love to just kick off with what inspired the whole concept of the Dames, because there's plenty of networking orgs out there. There's a lot, um, but Dames is special in its approach, and it's really gravitates to a certain type of person that wants to network and support and cheerlead in a different way. So I think just talking a little bit about the inspiration in, in the early days for that would be awesome.
2: Absolutely, yeah. So, let's say about 2009 is when I started my marketing business, and so I was in about my fifth slash sixth year when I had been running other people's networking events for years because I'm the kind of person who goes into any organization and finds my way to the front of the room and starts leading. And I was, I loved what was available here in Denver. There was a lot of opportunity, and what I kept finding over and over again with the, op- with the options that were here in Denver was that it was very homogenous in nature. So you were in a room with brand new business owners, highly experienced business owners, um, men, women, you know, multi-level marketing companies, and everything across the gamut. And what I found myself and my peers needing at that point in time was to be surrounded by other women at and above our level. So we were at that point of growing our six-figure businesses to seven figures. And it's kind of like I use this this metaphor because I'm from Colorado, of course, that when you're working to be an expert skier and you're at the intermediate level, you're not going to go ski with the beginners on the bunny slopes because it's never going to get you to that expert level. So that was sort of the initial concept that was like, you know, I really want to create a space where my tribe can come together. And we can talk about the challenges that we're facing and the celebrations that we're having, and we can really have skills pointed right at us and everything created in this ecosystem for women running six- and seven-figure businesses, and then that expanded into women in director and higher roles. We're all at the top of the triangle in about the top 10 to 15% of women-owned businesses and women in sort of the almost executive roles or the the lower level executive roles getting into the C-suite. And in order to get more of us into the seven-figure realm and more of us into the C-suite, that was why I brought everyone together to say, how can we do this together in a truly supportive way, but then also getting us the education and the inspiration from women who've been there, done that. So those were sort of the initial uh, inklings of excitement. Not to mention, I was bored to tears by a lot of what was available at the time. Networking was, generally speaking, extremely boring, very carbon copy of what it has been for centuries. You know, you sit around, you clink glasses, and you try to get as many business cards as you can. And I also experienced a lot of business cards stabbing, just people trying to shove their business cards into the hands of as many people as they could in this desperate energy of meeting the next client and hunting for their clients. And... It always created this low vibrating energy everywhere we went. So I was determined that it was going to be a different way of doing things in the dame. So as you experience Carrie, at all of our events, we have the reverse mullet approach, which is the party in the front and the business in the back. Edutainment, as we call it, and comedy that really helps us unlock, come together and just have a lot of fun. But that also creates the space of feminine energy, of creativity getting unlocked, and women being to be, be being able to be more receptive to collaboration, which is our number one tenant in the Dames. So that was sort of the initial reasonings for why I created the Dames, and we launched having our first events in 2015, and we are now in 500 countries. I'm sorry, 500 countries. I wish we have now 500 members in six on six continents and with members in 37 of the United States and eight chapters around the globe. So we are extremely excited for the growth of the dames internationally as well.
0: That's amazing. And yeah, I have felt all of what you just shared and just this general premise of like mobilizing women (laughs) who are truly genuinely ready to move on and, and do it in a, in a more supportive way. I really love the concept and I think we've you know, developed our networking skills for 15, 20 plus years. And just exactly to what you've said, there's like a staleness and level of um, gimmicky-ness to a lot of networking environments, and it doesn't necessarily pull the right right audience, I don't think. So appreciate creating that space for people.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And so this is really fascinating because this is the first time I've heard like a full explanation because Carrie, I know Carrie just started disappearing on like for a random hour, like once every couple of weeks or month or whatever, and then COVID hit. Right. And so then it was all online and, and I knew that she was enjoying it. And so it's good to hear more of the inner workings of really like, wow, you founded it. It makes a ton of sense. I mean, I have a commercial banking background and I would try to join some of more of like the standard networking type groups um, but the challenge with those is that it was people playing at a fairly low level. And if you're trying to do $5 million loan, like I'm not going to give that to most businesses. So I couldn't join those. And then when you try to put your own together manually, you can do that, but it's usually very regional. It's fluid. People are in and out. The commitment is low. So I think having something at the, exactly at the echelon um, really meets a specific niche. So congrats for number one, having the vision to do it. And then two, actually making it happen. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because I, we know that that's not easy.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and a lot of
1: trials and tribulations with that.
2: Absolutely. It's funny, Craig, I had a background in commercial lending as well, oh, uh, okay. right out of college. Yeah. So I totally yeah. get where you're at. And yeah, it was, it's really true that when you can belong to an ecosystem that meets your specific needs, mm-hmm. that transforms everything. And we're really at the forefront of this paradigm shift between, Old, outdated networking and that hunting and that hunter and prey feeling to this concept of collaboration that's fostered through our strategic matchmaking and power partner concepts. So that's something that we, we preach, quote unquote, and teach all the time is if you can really completely transform the way that you network from that space of going to look for the golden egg or that one client that could possibly be your client at an event, and you totally transform that to being part of an organization where you're looking for your golden geese, and you then develop these long term relationships to lay a lot of golden eggs for each other, aka cross-refer business, or collaborate to create a bigger footprint, or mastermind your challenges because you know exactly what each other are going through. Those fostered relationships end up being long term. Very fruitful, but also extremely nourishing for both of the women who are involved in those partnerships. So that's really the philosophy that we've we've come to yeah, not come yeah, to. we've created from the beginning.
1: yeah, well, again, congrats it's it's really cool to see somebody do that, and I know that you're meeting a very specific need because I feel it even on the on the men's side <laughs> uh, so similar similar challenges, right. Um, one question that I, I would like to kick off with is just when you think about people who are getting going in the business world, maybe they you know our, our podcast has been mostly focused on side hustlers and people who've maybe just scaled or about to jump and go full time, right? Um, it, specifically to to ladies, maybe what advice would you give or like the one or two things that you've seen as a pattern or a trend of maybe things people mess up or people things, ladies should be doing. Um, and then if you want to answer one for the ladies and then maybe one general, whatever, whatever comes to mind, however you want to take the question is totally fine. But I think maybe yes. just speaking to that specific uh, niche of people who are like, okay, I'm, I'm in, I've I'm, I'm started something or I'm doing something like, what are those common pitfalls you see?
2: Yeah. I think, I think there are a lot, but women really thrive in community And we thrive by supporting one another. So I would say, you know, right off the bat, I was definitely part of a community immediately. I think I joined a leads group within two weeks of starting my business. I walked in the door and I'm like, what's a leads group? I'm here. I don't know what I'm doing. So the early stages of business, you know, I think leads groups can be really, really helpful just from a networking standpoint. And definitely going out there and i don't regret one bit being part of the organizations i was part of early on in the stages because going around and being around other business owners of different types in those homogenous groups was exactly what i needed at that time to really get an totally. understanding of how business operates and what are the different what all the different options are which kind of brings me to the other point which is i think a lot of times women especially Get pigeonholed into, well, I'll just be a coach or I'll be a consultant. And there are so many different business models available. So I think what's really important for newer business women and probably men, but you know, I see it particularly, particularly in women, is to work with someone who can help you look at the myriad of different business models that are available to you and to help you choose one that really matches your talents, your skills, your areas, your zone of genius so that you don't go out there and burn yourself out. Um, That is definitely what I did several times over was burn myself out in marketing because I was in business models and I was serving target markets that did not light me up. And it really created a lot of overworking, undercharging and just complete overwhelm a lot of times. So that's really what I would look at and, In those initial stages, as you're beginning to do your work and you're beginning to work with different clients, really be paying attention to who those ideal clients are that light you up and make notes all the way along so that as soon as you can, once you've been in business a year, year and a half, you can really declare that niche and go for it steadfast because it can cut out a lot of wasted time when you start working with only those people that you're really talented at working with but then also light you up and give you energy on a daily basis. Cause you can't help yourself, but help those people, right? That's for me, it's getting more women to that seven figure mark and more women into the C suite every single day. That's what pulls me. That's what gets me out of bed. And I know it's an impossible mission. I'll never achieve getting half women, half of the amount of CEOs as women, or, you know, half the amount of businesses as women running seven figure businesses but that's my overall vision that I'm always striving and working toward and taking steps every day toward.
0: I love that. And and just some of those questions on like, who do you get lit up to serve? I mean, I think in my life, there's areas I probably was too slow to maybe really think of those questions and really be honest and evaluate. And I know you talk a lot about intuition, Megan, which mm-hmm. I think is such a, valuable thing to dive in a little bit deeper on because I think a lot of, I think a lot of entrepreneurs specifically really struggle listening to their intuition. I think it's intimidating when you run a business. I think the stakes feel so much higher for people. Um, So how do you balance kind of like the data and more of the quantifiable side of business, but also this intuitive nature, which you clearly have like a very strong strong inner voice that's guided you along this journey, but how do you how do you navigate that? And what are what would be some suggestions for women who maybe need to turn up the noise on uh, turn up the volume on it? Definitely. I
2: think that what's happening as part of this paradigm shift that we're going through is, you know, if you think about 20, 30, 40 years ago, women weren't leading businesses and women weren't in C-suite positions. We were working our way up the ranks but this is very new this is relatively new in terms of like over the span of time that women have been in these positions so who we've had as models to grow our businesses has been men and we've had these male paradigms to follow and there's nothing wrong with that however women have very different energy women get fed by different things women need to do business in different ways. And the the typical, you know, warrior up grind push through doesn't work for a woman long term. She will burn out, she will be completely overwhelmed and her business will fail, or she will decide that she can't do it anymore. She'll pull the parachute and leave. So I think that's really what we're starting to see We're we're seeing more and more is that even when I'm interviewing our dames of influence who are women running seven figure businesses who Become mentors in our community. I hear it over and over and over again. I listen to my intuition. The second that I figured out how to listen to my issue, intuition, everything shifted. So for me, early on in business, I was definitely part of that hustle, grind, push. You know, I felt like oftentimes I was pushing a boulder up up a really big hill <laughs> and trying to figure out how, like, what was I doing wrong? How was I what was going wrong? Because it didn't feel right, but it felt like, well, everybody's just telling me I got to push through this. I got to get through this phase. And it wasn't until about 2012, 2013, when I really started the initial stages of my spiritual growth work and studying through consciousness and really understanding what intuition is and how you get access to it. And it's different for everyone, how you access your own intuition but everyone has it so i started that process in 2012 and then it was you know really when i began getting into meditation and listening and visualizing and truly taking action on my intuition was about 2014 and that's when this whole concept of the dames came in I decided I'm going to just try this. Like, this is such a crazy idea. I'm going to have events here in Denver for women running six and seven figure businesses. There's going to be comedians at every single one. We're going to have, you know, role models as seven figure businesses. Let's just try it. And I did. And then I continued to follow my intuition when in 2017, it guided me to rebrand as the dames and go internationally, build our online platform And I'm like, really? It's 2017. I'm going to build an online networking platform? What? Okay. Kept going. And then, you know, then it was like, all right, start launching chapters outside of Denver. So I started doing that in 2018. And then 2019, we launched more chapters out of state. And then 2020 hit. And it was like, oh, this is why I have an online international membership platform. Because then it was able to just you know, expand out. And we grew two and a half percent in 2020 because I had already built that. And I listened to my intuition, no matter how crazy it sounded. And I did not anymore push through those things that I just, my brain kept saying, you got to just add more marketing coaches to your business back in the day. And you got to follow these processes that everybody else has done. and. When I would try those things, I would fall flat on my face. When I would listen to my intuition and really be guided by it and take the actions, it has never led me wrong. And I continue to do that today. And that's what really has created all kinds of opportunities for us to open up chapters internationally and just continue to grow in a way that... A lot of other people would say, well, that's not very logic-brained. And I would say, yes, that's exactly correct. <laughs> it's not very logic-brained. So that just gives you a little bit of the you know, history. It takes a long time to build your intuition and then yeah, to trust yeah. it and understand what it's saying is truth for you and to believe in yourself enough to take action on that, on everything.
0: Particularly for women who I think have maybe had some things like not work out in the past right or maybe have some traumas or reasons they don't necessarily trust themselves fully to listen to that intuition so I think that's a good point it's not like you just flip a the switch there's probably like a progression for really building that confidence and turning up the volume and maybe even starting with baby steps um Yeah. I mean, I basically say, sorry, I basically
2: say you can only grow as much professionally as you're willing to grow personally. And that means for me, I did, I did 10 years of healing work, deep trauma work, deep shadow work to let go of all that so that I could really trust in my connection to my higher self and follow my guidance. Sorry, Craig, you're going to ask a question.
1: Yeah, no, no, I need to apologize. So I think what I sometimes see people struggle with, especially when they're early on in the journey, is that they haven't built that intuition muscle as much yet, right? And so it, there's a fine line between intuition and just recklessness, because if you aren't, if if it's truly, it's probably not intuition, it's probably something else. It's probably impulsiveness versus intuition, right? But I think some people have a hard time maybe discerning the difference, especially if I see people early on in their journey, like, I'm excited about this. I'm excited about that. So it's more like whimsical or capricious than it is like centered. Mm -hmm. Um, So could you maybe give people some practical tips on how to develop that intuition over time, other than just like the pain of failure? (laughs) Because I I mean, I feel that way now, but I don't know when I was 25 that I could have just been like, let me follow my intuition because I didn't have all that experience and maybe energy to draw from, but there is some sense of intuition, right? So could you maybe speak into that? I'd be really curious on your, on your thoughts or advice there.
2: Yeah. I think people often confuse intuition with like mindset or mindfulness. I think that they misidentify and think that they're going to get there quote unquote with their mind. And that's not the way to get there. So I am definitely not the person who I would say is the expert in how do you develop your intuition? Um, I can definitely recommend others. I would look at simplespirit.com. Shoshana French is a dame who this is her talent and she helps women really get clear men, women, women and men get clear on how their intuition communicates to them and how you strengthen that muscle. Because my journey, it's like when people ask me, how did you get to this point where you totally trust your intuition? I'm like, man, I would have to take you on the Mr. Told's most wild ride to even try to remember how I got there and all the twists and turns and everything. But it's really it's about making that determination that it's something you have an inkling in yourself that you have. You're like, I know that I am intuitive. I know that I have that Internal guidance from my heart that I can follow, but I don't quite know how it communicates to me or when it communicates to me. When I hear this or when I see this, is that my mind or is that my intuition? Mm -hmm. And that takes years of refinement to really understand and know when you the kind of message you're getting, if that's intuition or your mind. And I think it's really regardless of age. I mean, you guys, we are, (laughs) and I'm an exennial. I think. I think you guys might be just a little bit younger, but the, those who are younger than us, like the gen X's, they are already using their intuition. And there's so many of them coming into this conversation. My husband has a healing center and the amount of 20 somethings that are in there talking about their intuition, talking about how they're letting it guide them talking about breath work and, you know, all the things that they've been doing in their own spiritual conscious conscious journeys, is mind-blowing to me as a 42-year-old. I'm like, whoa, it's, I thought I was advanced in knowing this stuff starting in my thirties. These guys are like, it's amazing. So while I hear you of like your young self might not have known because that was probably not your path at the time. For me, it, I wasn't either. I was completely lost in my twenties as to anything connected spiritually. And I felt like I was just kind of floating out there in the in the ethers, um, had been raised religious and was like, that's not where I am. So it's all our own journey, but it's really the distinguishment between your mind and your heart and where, how you're being led, because you can really, in those early stages, misconstrue the two and think that your mind is your heart and your heart is your mind. And you're, you're actually not even listening to your intuition at that point. So,
0: Well, I was just going to add, I feel like our elementary age child is learning this stuff. I mean, it's not even just people in their twenties. It's just totally just part of the conversation for absolutely generation in a way that I, I mean, it probably was, but with different words and different framing and less emphasis when I was growing up. So I just appreciate that that is just so front and center in a lot of ways for. And absolutely. I think
2: that you know, a lot of people are afraid of the hard work that comes from this path. <laughs> you know, for me, there's been a lot of breakdowns. There's been a lot of going through the eyes of needles that are really tiny and uncomfortable, and I have to squeeze myself into them. And that you know, a lot of people will call it shadow work. It, it depends on, you know, what where you're at and what you're talking about, but there's a lot of difficult work that goes in when you're deciding that this is the path that you want to be on of intuition and of listening to your higher power or your God, your universe, whatever it is for you. And to lead your life and your business that way, it takes a lot of courage. And I think a lot of people misconstrue the, the hardships as failures and so it's kind of like if you can lean into those hardships or lean into those failures and look at, hey, what am I feeling with all of this right now? And how am I experiencing this as a human being in a way that can teach me things and lead to breakthroughs as opposed to, well, that was a failure and now I'm just moving on from it. It's how you look at all of these paths and turns and twists and forks in the road I think that really um, determines the way that you, you lead your life and you lead your business and you lead your career.
1: Yeah. That was deep. (laughs) Yeah. You've definitely done some, uh, some meditation work. I can, I can tell that's uh, we were, we were just talking about that with one of our businesses. It's like how it's evolved and transformed and how we really want to, conduct ourselves on the go forward so that we're operating at the highest level of integrity. And it's also aligning with like who we are and and how we want to be. When I think early on in my journey, I was more just like, how do I grow? How do I create revenue? You know I mean? There's just like almost a a neurosis around that, um, which maybe that's where I needed to be at that time, but it is nice to be able to step back. Right. Well,
2: that i'm glad you brought that up because when you asked the question early you know earlier what would i say to newer newer stage business owners i think you know the radical statistic that i wish i would have known when i was in my first few years is that you know you always hear the stat of how many businesses fail but what you don't hear is around 87% of female owned businesses don't get past 50,000 in revenue And I can remember in my first three years of business, I was like, okay, you know, I'm making 25,000. All right, now I'm making 35,000. All right, now I'm making 45,000. I'm going to hit 100,000 next year. I'm going to hit it next year. I'm going to hit it next year. And in those early stages, I had no idea what that would actually take to, to grow a business into a steady six figure business. And especially in those early stages, when you're bootstrapping everything, I did not get any outside financing. You know, everything has been bootstrapped in both of my businesses. It there was a lot of man, I just can remember how much I was beating myself up for not hitting that hundred thousand dollar mark and not even having a clue that it was because I was really headed down a path that wasn't my area and my zone of genius, but I didn't know that. So again, the, it wasn't a failure for me. Those times weren't a failure, but when I look at that and I'm like, man, it took me like five years to get to a hundred thousand in that business. And it took me like 18 months in the dames. but that's because I knew so much more. And I knew what my intuition was by then. Early on, I didn't. And I just tried following all the formulas and reading books and applying what I had learned. And I'm like, man, I suck at this. So I would just say you don't suck at it. Like, if you're feeling that way, you don't suck at it. You just, you get to explore what could work better for you. And those business models or those target markets or you know, the, the way that you've packaged, priced and positioned yourself, you know, that's a lot of the work that I did with my clients for years was really helping them align all of that with, with them and their higher vision and their higher mission, so that they could be ignited by it and not downtrodden by it. So it's you're not wrong if it's taking you a while to grow your business. You might just want to look at, does it feel like you're on the best path for yourself or does it feel like maybe you want to kind of look around and say, maybe, maybe I could use a different business model, or maybe I could use a different focus. Maybe what I'm doing is, is not the best for my zone of genius. So
1: just a thought. Yeah. Um, I I'd like to pivot a little bit if that's okay. Yeah, um, if we nice could job. move maybe more into the leadership realm, I'd be curious to get your thoughts. So obviously I have a finance background. Um, Carrie's got her degrees are women's studies sociology. So I like to say, you know, have a good, exciting marriage when a banker marries a a feminist or a feminist marries a banker, however you want to say it. Right. Um, I love that. I've learned a lot from Carrie. And there's also been obviously times of like push pull, like kind of probably hopefully learning from each other. But one thing I'd be curious is to get your thoughts as how, um, as a leader of an organization, as as a guy or a male, how can we foster better environments for ladies? Because I think for me, it's, it's not that I've ever consciously said I don't want to foster an environment for ladies, but I've also not always done the best of saying, like, how can I foster, like, to being intentional about it, right? And so I guess that'd be a question... And maybe answer it from both, like like sexes from the classical perspective, maybe, because I think there's also women who now are leading organizations and it's like, how can they empower women um, or men for that matter? Maybe that's a good question. Maybe a separate question, but I'll let you share whatever yeah. you want on that. I'd be curious to get your thoughts. Hmm.
2: That's a, Craig, you got a good one there. I'm like, I'm wondering what direction to take this in. What, so whatever, what do you-
1: feels like your best intuitive answer, I guess.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Well, and what's interesting is I think it has so much, I think it has a lot to do with personality as well. Like I've done a lot of studying around my Enneagram and Myers-Briggs and Strengths Finder and uh, Influence Ecology and a lot of those. And it takes that balance, I think, in our organizations. So, you know, coming from a business perspective, as I'm growing and scaling this business, you know, I'm an Enneagram 7. So I'm the, the, the enthusiast. I'm all about... Having a positive mental attitude toward everything and moving toward that positivity and i've I'm an enfp, so I'm just like I'm, I'm the ENFP,
0: one Megan. <laughs>
2: woo! yeah, and you know I've got communication and woo and strategic and all of these you know these relational strengths, and I'm um an inventor on influence ecology, so I'm this like big visionary big idea person who. I have to make sure that I surround myself with the Craig's of the world that can actually say, Hey, what about the data? What about the, what about the stats? What about this? How do we look at all of this and implement that into the business? And I have to surround myself with the taskmasters and the producers who can take these ideas and put them into play. So I think that's an important thing to think about as anyone is growing their business. When we are solopreneurs or when we're starting out, we are, man, we are wearing every single hat under the sun and that can burn us out fast. So I think you've probably seen in your work that if you can work out a partnership, partnership. if you can work with your spouse or if you can work out a partnership, oftentimes if you can blend that with the, the data mind and the creative mind, you're gonna go really far really fast um, because you've got both the sides of the brain sort of uh, under under wraps, if you will. Um, and I don't even know if I answered your question. Cause I was like, whoo, this one is I'm going off into the ethers with this one. Cause it's yeah, such no, a good one.
1: Yeah, that's okay. And so, it,
2: but the masculine versus feminine is what you're asking about. And that's not where well, I went at all.
1: Yeah. I'm, I'm saying like, if you were to give advice to a lot of leaders of organizations, maybe in general, <laughs> how can we foster a better in, uh, community or ecosystem to, to help support women in that journey to the C-suite, because that's like, that's your expertise is like helping them get there. Right.
2: Right. So I think what a lot of, um, our forefathers did, if I'll just speak in old English terms, our forefathers did was they led from that space of very masculine driven energy. And like, here's this, here's the, the plan we're going to follow it. We're going to trudge through it. We're going to put on more armor. And that's what I experienced with uh, you know, a business partner early on is his energy came through very strongly. And so if he and I would have ever been able to continue working together, he would have had to let that down and be far more vulnerable and far less concerned about the, the plan and the numbers and far more concerned about the relationships and the people that were involved. And I think that's where I, as a leader, I'm very different from a lot of um, different people is just that I come from the people first. And I'm always looking at it. Like we create everything that we do in the Dames based on the women that are part of our ecosystem. We, we ask them where they're, where they are struggling and we create, the the solutions that help them live a better life and i think women really crave and especially these days are craving to grow their business without losing their lives it's creating their life first and how they want to be how they want to be able to have time with their kids with their families how they want to be able to travel if they're you know if they're single or they how they can just live their best lives and i don't mean that in a cliche way i mean really truly getting clear on that first and then growing a business around it that works as opposed to the opposite. So I think to foster that environment of you know women need to be supported in getting clear in what their feminine energy is and how they want to drive with that feminine energy as opposed to hey here's the way that we've done things let's do it this way and let's keep going in that direction. I think we're starting to see more opportunities for women to say, you know, in my natural state, I'm way more productive and I'm better if I'm working four to five hours a day and that's it because I can be in that creativity and I can be in that flow when I'm working versus, you know, what I used to do, which is 12 hour days and grinding and hustling it out because I had this belief that that's what entrepreneurialism was and the reality was if i would have learned that earlier on like hey work less work work less and work in alignment with your higher vision and make sure that you've got your litmus tests that you're always using like is this going to match my values does this make the the boat go faster in terms of moving me toward achieving my epic mission if not then i need to learn how to say no women have a really hard time saying no so giving women more space to say no and to really truly be confident in their yes or their no, I think is something else that we are in the dames fostering on a regular basis with each other in this safe space of like, I need to practice being able to say no. Cause man, I overcommit myself all over the place. And then that creates guilt and shame and, you know, all kinds of crap. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and it's just a really interesting journey as you go through like the leadership perspective, because Mm -hmm. I think we tend to want to see the world through our own, how we process the world and how we think, and then project that onto other people. And, you know, it's always amazing to me when someone shares something like, I didn't think of it that way. i never thought about it. Or, you know, I mean, even some of the things that you're talking about with intuition, it's like, Yeah, it's so valuable, but I I haven't thought about it as much that way, right?
2: Right. And creating the space for everyone's voices to be heard and for those different ideas to be listened to and, and played out. And, you know, even from the standpoint of we do a lot of improv in the dames to really get people out of their logic brain and into the creative space so that new ideas can be born and just doing some of those exercises with women and helping them see like, oh, gosh, if I... Like, what I've been doing in my staff meetings is I've been closing off to a lot of ideas as opposed to creating a space where a lot of people can share their ideas and we can just get into these complete imagination. Like, I'm sure you guys see it in your kids. You know, they have some of the best ideas sometimes because they're not filtered, because they're just like, what about this? And if we can come from that space of feminine creativity, man, we can we can fly. That's for sure.
0: Yeah. They're not filtered and there's not that insecurity around sharing. Right. Mm -hmm. Which I think is so huge. When we think about the environments that we're fostering, it's sort of like, how are we responding to that creativity when it is brought to the table?
2: And I think that part of the paradigm shift that we're in, in terms of leadership too, Craig is like this Um, you know, I, I, we're teaching our kids now that it's okay for men to have emotions and that was not a thing for a long time. And we, men typically didn't share their vulnerability of the struggles that they were going through. And so I can remember, and then the women haven't either, but I can remember, remember early on, I would go to certain like business workshops or retreats and I'd be there with women who were way farther advanced in their stage of business and they'd be flying through things and I'm like struggling to get through them. And I thought, God, there's something wrong with me. But really it was the, the leaders weren't showing that they had had the struggles too. The leaders weren't showing their struggles. They weren't showing the, the dark side of them or you know what's perceived as the dark side. They were just showing all the good stuff. And then we have social media that propagates that even more. And business owners that are in newer stages are like, God, I must be just totally off my rocker here because I'm not running a million dollar business yet. Well, yeah, you're not in only 2% of women are. So I think a lot of it is the vulnerability of our leaders today has to go up. It has got to continue to increase and we've got to share the real stories and the real struggles that are happening for us. Cause we're not just a business. We're a person as well as the leaders.
1: Yeah. I, well, that's another direction, but I, I feel a little <laughs> bit way with the, with politics and other world leaders too, where it's like, man, if you would just, instead of trying to always have this canned answer, that's perfect. Just be like, I don't know. You know, like, let me look into it. Just be just give an authentic answer versus like these, like very overbuffed like responses. But,
2: which just creates conflict.
1: conflict. Yeah. Yeah. And then. And, parad- and uh, polarization. That's all that
2: ever creates. And that's yeah, what it creates. Yeah. We're going say, well,
1: I, here's what I think, but I'm not totally sure. Maybe we should look into it. It's like, wow, that's so much more collaborative and less like yes. alienating to whoever else might think something different, but.
2: Right. Um, like, what are your ideas instead of. Just yeah. coming from me, like, what do you think? Let's workshop right. this, let's get a whole bunch of different ideas on paper and see what what kind of filters out, yeah, right? yeah,
1: absolutely um well, thank you for being with us. um really appreciate it and and again, congrats on your success. It's really cool to just see like you pivot completely out of marketing and do something totally different based on intuition, based on all the experience and twists and turns, which we really didn't get into, but I'm sure there are many great stories there. (laughs) There Um, but, um, yeah, thanks for taking the time and thanks for doing what you're doing. It's really cool. And I'm excited to hopefully get to know you better. And, and, um, thanks Carrie for opening this door. And like, we talk a lot about, um, you know, staying focused on what matters most. And, uh, I think like your journey and your story definitely, um, epitomizes that in so many ways. So thanks for being a living example. I'll let so ask any, any final wrap ups here.
0: Yeah. I was going to just conclude with any kind of hot tip or anything just on your heart that you feel like in your current day where you're at and your phase of growth has just been really relevant and any tip that you can give in closing for people would be huge.
2: Yeah. So since we've been along this vein of conversation today, I you know, I want everyone to know that just because you hit a certain revenue mark, or you hit a certain stage of business, or you hit a certain stage of leadership, it doesn't mean that your your problems just fade away. It means that they shift and they change. And so, I really encourage everyone to be in a group where you know, be in a community, be part of communities, multiple communities, where you feel like you can truly surround yourself by others who are experiencing these things and voice what's going on for you and listen to what's going on for them and come up with solutions together to really enjoy your life and your business a lot more. Because what I see all day long is women who think that they're alone in the way that they're feeling and the way that they're the struggles that they're having and even the celebrations that they have. And as soon as they open up and share what's really going on and others see that they come forth too and say, you know, that's exactly what I'm dealing with. And then the masterminding and the problem solving and the celebrations can really transform your life and the lives of those around you. So really open up, get in community and share what you're going through because you're definitely not alone.
0: Yeah, absolutely on that. I I listen to Glennon Doyle's podcast.
2: Mm, um, one of my faves.
0: Do hard things, and that's all. That's always the summary. Is like be vocal because you're impacting a huge community of people that no one's been brave enough to share and speak to the the deeper challenge or. To struggle, and when we do that, it just it changes things completely. So I appreciate you bringing that up. And um, where can people find you, Megan? Where's the best way for people to tap into your mindset more and maybe get to know you on a more personal level? Find out more. Yes.
2: Yeah. So from a personal level, you can find me on Instagram and Facebook at Megan Conter, and I'm sure you guys will put that in the show notes because my name is spelled with a lot of extra consonants. Um, and then. As far as the dames, you can visit thedames.co. And if you're a woman who's interested in visiting us and checking us out, woman who's running a six or seven figure business or in a director plus role, you can go to thedames.co forward slash roundtable and come experience the dames at a a virtual roundtable event from anywhere in the world.
0: Fantastic. Well, we'll put all of that in the show notes. So it'll be easily accessible. And just, again, we appreciate you so much fun hearing more about the journey and the deeper motivation and inspiration behind the organization. And I hope you have a wonderful day and I'm sure the audience got a lot of takeaways and just some more things that us for us to consider too, just on the intuitive side of building and scaling and relationships. So thanks for speaking to that and everyone have a good rest of the day. Thanks for listening to today's episode.
1: Please subscribe and leave a review and be sure to visit tandemconsulting.co backslash talks.